that's my jam, man. <laughs> I don't really think so. Ah. And the only reason why I say that is because Atlanta is such a transplant city. Hmm. So there's not a lot of Atlanta pride. You hmm. know, you would think that, uh, hey, there's some awesome like Love Simon, but this my friends from New York, my other friends from Colorado, my other friends from Houston, Texas. So they're like, they could give you two craps here. It's like, so I don't think so. That's kind of sucks though. Bummer. Yeah. Cause I mean, Love Simon kind of hit me at like just the right time. Like it, I went to see it with a comedy buddy of mine in New York a day before I was setting out to move back to Chicago. So it was like kind of, I was already kind of in my emotions that day, like new phase of my life. And then of course, when you see it, it is the most young adult novel of a movie I've ever seen in my life. And like two thirds of the way, like as he's narrating his everybody deserves a great love story email, I am just bawling in the theater. And oh. and yeah, so like I associate those those scenes from Atlanta and like the Waffle House and like the final scene or the pull up shot of the downtown skyline with like that mm. emotional moment in my life. And, like the next time I go to Atlanta, I'm gonna look at like the skyline and think, yeah, that's Simon's skyline. So, you know. Oh. <laughs> well, we should be proud of that. And nowadays everything is being filmed in Atlanta. So I, like even Ozark, I was like, wait a minute, that's Lake Lanier, that's not Missouri. <laughs> so I'm proud of that. Me personally, I'm proud of it. Mm -hmm. Is there, since you mentioned that it's such a transplant city, is there a sense that uh, Atlanta natives, is there like an extra insular sense of community to you guys when you hang out just with other natives because of that? Or does that not factor into it? Well, yes. And especially with sports, we will defend our sports teams to the death because we get crapped on from everybody else, especially the New Yorkers that come to, to uh, and people from California, Los Angeles, San Francisco areas, they come with all their rich sports history and their teams. And we are like <laughs> one sword against the army trying to defend our sports teams. It is so interesting. So yeah, we do have an extra little sense of pride about that. Yeah, it's interesting because the common conception about Atlanta as a sports town certainly on a national scale, is that, well, professional-wise, that they don't really care. It's the college football that's the only thing that matters down there. But mm -hmm. yet, like, any time I go to a game where the Braves are playing the Cubs, there's a strong Braves contingent at Wrigley Field, which probably has to do something with TBS back in the day. But it's not like yes. it's just Atlanta fans that show up for the Braves either. Yeah. they. Uh, I, will see th I will say the Braves fandom is the probably the most – you know, prevalent in Atlanta, Georgia. And it's because Tennessee, South Carolina, North Carolina, parts of Florida, Alabama, what, Louisiana, Mississippi, all that, Tennessee, Kentucky, they don't have a team. So, I, I, but you, you go to, you have the Green Bay Packers come to play the Atlanta Falcons. Forget about it. Mm -hmm. It's going to, they're going to take over that dome. So part of it, we kind of suck too. <laughs> yeah oh yeah and i remember when the, when the cubs played the braves in the i think it was the 2003 nlds like mm -hmm. those games in turner field were practically home games for the cubs like uh, that was that era where braves fans weren't really buying tickets to the playoffs unless they made like the cs of the world series and so <laughs> cub fans that we hadn't been to the playoffs in i think five years at that point so like every cub fan like actually took flights to atlanta because tickets were easier to buy at Turner Field than they were at Wrigley. And wow. like, yeah, the response to Terry Wood. Travel, 
Do Cubs fans travel well generally? Huge. Playoffs yes. or no playoffs? Uh, yeah, yeah. It's always the Cubs are, are a national team. So uh, we travel. You'll always hear Cub fans in pretty much any opposing ballpark, especially when they're doing well. Uh, and then when it's instances like Milwaukee, uh, there are times where that uh, Miller Park is majority Cub fans uh, mm-hmm. because so many people take the 90 minute drive up 94 to see it up there. So a lot of people hate us because of it. And I get it. Uh, and I've been in Wrigley where opposing fans teams took it over. Like oddly enough, the Blue Jays kind of took it over a few years okay. ago when they played interleague there. Okay. Uh, so it's yeah, I, I get that that's obnoxious as hell, but that doesn't mean we're going to stop doing it. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. I, I do love a good W flag. I do like seeing that. It's a good tradition. Yeah. It's it's yeah. like once that flag flies, it's like nothing bad can happen for the rest of the day. It's like the <laughs> signal to just be happy. And I love it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, let us dive into the biggest story in the Atlanta sports scene in just a second after the show opened. This is the Three Strikes You're Out podcast, part of the Outsports Podcast Network, the Outsports Baseball Podcast, episode number 70, the Joe Madden episode of Three Strikes You're Out, which means this episode is leaving Shohei Otani in until he gets plowed over by opposing base runners. So, love you, Joe, but what are you doing, man? Jeez. Mm-hmm. The other voice uh, is a familiar one to you, Outsports Podcast Network followers. He is my colleague every hey, Tuesday, host of the Game Day Tea Podcast. D. Gill is back, friend of the pod. Join us. Good to see you again, sir. Hey, y'all. Good to see you, Ken. Thanks for having me. It is a pleasure. I uh, enjoyed the NCAA wrap-up this week. That uh, I like that, that you picked Gonzaga at the end just because I, I listened to it the week after I recorded my episode picking the Atlanta Braves to win the World Series and they started the season 0-4. <laughs> so I'm thinking, yeah, we're about on par with our sports prognostication yeah. here. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, gosh. What, but you know what I told myself? I thought in my head I should probably say Baylor, but the overwhelmingly everybody was uh, pulling for Gonzaga. But I mean, the way Baylor played UCLA, I thought, wow, they, they – uh, no, no, the way they played Houston, I thought, wow, Baylor has a good chance to win everything. Yeah, that was that was a statement. Although, I mean, honestly, when a team is undefeated and then advances to the finals on a goddamn miracle shot, I, I don't blame you <laughs> for saying, yeah, it's probably their year at that point. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. that, that's just having eyes, I think. Uh, <laughs> but the interesting thing right now to talk about, and uh, I wanted to have you back on, especially because of this, uh, because Atlanta is kind of at the, the epicenter of the biggest story in baseball right now. And, and it's rare as a baseball fan that, oddly enough, it's rare that baseball is the most important story in sports during opening week. I mean, the opening day is always a big deal, but then it's always okay. We're settling in now for the next couple months before we figure out what's actually going on. But uh, turns out that it is now a national story, thanks to Rob Manfred finding, I'm, I'm not going to call it a conscience, but I guess if like Daryl Hammond could do an impression of a conscience, maybe Rob Manfred has one of those, uh, mm-hmm. pulling the all-star game out of Atlanta uh, due to the voter suppression law passed by Governor Brian Kemp and the Georgia State Legislature. And I'm going to start just by asking, as a native of Atlanta and mm-hmm. as a baseball fan, what was your emotional response upon hearing that news? All right. So baseball and politics, here we go, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, initially, I was like, good for MLB. You know, I didn't even think about who w- would this be impacting. The players, our local economy, the employees of our of 
the, the at the stadium. I didn't think about any of that. I was like, my knee jerk reaction was I saw it come across Twitter. And I was like, you know what? Way to step up MLB to fight for injustices in this world. And then I started thinking, damn, I was an employee at Turner Field myself one day. I mean, well, back in the day from 2010 to the 2012 season. And that was a pretty exciting time for us. We got to see so many fans from diff- all over the uh, baseball community, you know, and just the hype around the city, all the different, well, I know it's COVID times, but clearly Atlanta has been open. <laughs> the COVID didn't exist in Atlanta. You hear me? So, uh, so I know there was going to be so many parties and this and that, and my friends all excited for it. Boom, shut down. At the same time, though, this is the first time that I've seen a professional sports team in my lifetime take a stance as hard as this one. I mean, this is this is shocking, you know, that they did that. And uh, I just, good for MLB. You, we can debate all day long was the right decision or not the decision, but they made a stance. And you, I got to give them kudos for that, Ken. Yeah. Yeah, and I do want to dive deeply kind of into your experiences as a, a worker at Turner Field and how they inform kind of your response to this. My initial response was kind of similar to that, that every April 15th, Major League Baseball makes a big deal, and understandably, deservedly so, of Jackie Robinson Day. Mm-hmm. Uh, we celebrate the anniversary of his debut with the Brooklyn Dodgers. Everybody wears 42. Everybody talks about what he means to them as baseball players. This is the first time in I can't remember how long where baseball has taken an action where I think that's what Jackie Robinson would have encouraged you to do. That's actually yeah. doing something with your platform to make a difference on a national scale and make a statement. And as a baseball fan, like just that, I mean, I am not in the business of giving Rob Manfred credit for anything. And I don't want to give him too much because I feel like I'm sure that this is sponsor related as much as it is, you know, social contents related, but nonetheless, you did the right thing, Rob Manfred. Mm-hmm. And for me to say that, that that's a huge deal. Like <laughs> that, uh, it, it, seeing MLB live up to the ideals that it espouses every single year. It's nice to know that yeah. that's, that it's occasionally capable of that. Right. I will say this, he did the right thing. I, if I had to nitpick, I have an issue where they placed it. Mm-hmm. Because if you do enough research on this topic, and for those of you who are listening, back me up, do your research on what I'm about to say, Colorado has some of the similar voting rights now that Atlanta has. You have they have some of the same hoops that you have to go to go through to get uh, registered for, for voting and the absentee ballot stuff. So it's just like you took it from Atlanta, but then you place it in the state that has similar voting laws. I would have loved to see it somewhere else. Yeah, that's that's a popular conservative talking point right now. And that there are a few things that I can give you that hopefully can kind of ease your mind about that. Uh, the yeah. first is that Colorado is a universal mail-in ballot state. So regardless of what your status is, you get a ballot in the mail that you can turn in and you can mail anywhere okay. in the state of Colorado. So for that okay. that one thing automatically, that that makes it more accessible than certainly the targeted voter suppression towards the black citizens of Atlanta, uh, essentially. Okay. For another, the biggest issue of the, the voter suppression law, to my mind, that's really only kind of becoming apparent over the past few days as I read more and more about it, is that 
the Georgia state legislature is taking over responsibility of overseeing elections from the secretary of state. So essentially what that means is that if someone from their party happens to contest what might have happened in a particular county in that election, and mm -hmm. they happen to agree with that person in that particular party, and there's no hypothetical instance that I could be talking about here at all, no real world application. So don't, <laughs> don't draw that conclusion whatsoever. But essentially, the legislature can override electoral results if they decide, well, okay, phantom voter fraud has been committed. And let's just pick an example, Fulton County. Okay. Uh, that doesn't <laughs> exist in Colorado. So that okay, in and of itself, yeah. yes, Colorado uh, does have a few similarities, but it is not a state that is systematically targeting, disenfranchising a particular group of voters uh, the That's way true. Georgia is. Well, how many black people live in California? I mean, Colorado. Right <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Anyways, I think you just don't, don't mind me, y'all. Yeah. Don't mind me. <laughs> uh, Anyways, but um, yeah. So, where would you? Okay, it's in Colorado. Did you? Would you have any other state in mind? Any I mean, park in mind? I would. I would certainly go with any state that is not trying to put laws like this in the books, which, I mean, that's pretty much only the blues at this point, uh, considering how many there are. But I mean, that's that's yeah. the thing is that uh, because, I mean, Georgia is only the tip of the iceberg when it comes to the electoral strategy right now. Texas, uh, which also raised a giant stink about this with Governor mm -hmm. Greg Abbott refusing to throw out a first pitch at the Texas Rangers game because MLB removed the All-Star game. Texas is trying to pass their own voter IDs and other restrictive uh, voter suppression laws down there. So it, you'd have to kind of go with any state that isn't currently trying to do this. And uh, I mean, those are states that don't have universal Republican representation at this point. It's sad to say, That's but it, true. it's true. Yeah. It yeah. So, I mean, the Cubs haven't hosted it since 1990. I mean, I would have been fine if they'd have had it up here. Uh, the Dodgers are getting it next year. If, if they would have bumped that to this year, I think that would have been a good idea. But uh, mm -hmm. yeah, if there there are other states out there, and uh, as far as I know, like from from what I've seen, Colorado is a perfectly reasonable alternative to my mind. Anyway, um, right. do you believe though that uh, we, you kind of touched on this with your first answer that a boycott like this is effective in getting people to change uh, statewide laws like this? No. Because when we, my past experiences for, you know, 31 years of my life, the entertainers, Hollywood, you know, sports, they make some noise about issues. But I can't can remember any time one of the people have used their, you know, status for a change. Mm -hmm. It's been the politicians like Stacey Abrams to make changes, but no... Uh, Gwyneth Paltrow or <laughs> somebody else <laughs> raising a stink about this, that it doesn't move the needle. Are you saying that buying that $1,500 vagina candle on Goop didn't change voter suppression laws somewhere? Is that what you're trying to tell me, D. Gill? It did it. <laughs> I, I, I can't take your cynicism, man. Jeez. You're saying Stacey Abrams might be more effective at motivating people to the polls than the star of Iron Man. Okay. Fair enough. There we go. <laughs> yes. So it's it's a, they it's a big statement. However, is it going to do anything? No. I mean, Atlanta just had the uh, the NBA All Star Game, so they got money from that this year. So we ain't hurting. Like I said, Atlanta's been open <laughs> since the since the pandemic, so it's not like they were losing any money. 
I mean, my friends' Snapchats and their Instagram stories is like clubs are packed, you know, everything. So as now, what I can say is if the people from Hollywood start moving their filming stuff out of Georgia, now we may see some different changes. But Republicans aren't really phased by Hollywood. Mm -hmm. Donald Trump, he was like one of the first presidents that really didn't bow down to the celebrities and was all buddy-buddy with celebrities. He said, I don't give a crap about y'all. I'm going to do what's right, what he thought was right for the country, and it doesn't matter what these celebrities say. Yeah, it's it's interesting because that was always his public stance and a very effective one in terms yeah. of how he rallied his base. And you look talk to anyone in terms of like the private Donald Trump behind the scenes, <laughs> and he wanted nothing more in the world than to be accepted by celebrities like that. That there are stories of him showing up at SNL after parties in New York just to be, hey, I'm Trump. Don't you want to hang out with me? And when no one paid attention to him, he went home sad. <laughs> It's, but uh, yeah, it's, I mean, it's personal hypocrisy, but as we, as I said, as you said, effective personal hypocrisy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in bringing up Stacey Abrams is, is interesting also, again, in the context of what you mentioned as a former ballpark employee, because Stacey Abrams mm-hmm. has really had to walk kind of an interesting tightrope with this because she's representing so many people whose jobs are affected by boycotts like this and who lose out on money-making opportunities. And yet, when MLB does something like this, it calls attention, everybody in the nation's attention to the cause that she is fighting for. And I feel like that that's a real tough road to kind of find a middle ground. And she's effective as hell because she's kind of brilliant at it. But uh, yeah, do, do you feel that, uh, that I guess, how do you respond hearing that, that she asks uh, maybe to, to hold back on the boycotts as much like that? Oh, she has her mind set on bigger things eventually one day than even the governor of Georgia. So she has to walk a very fine line because uh, she knows that a lot of those people that work there, she knows what they look like. She knows what nationality they are. You know, she knows how many uh, small businesses are being affected, you know, and she, she it's, it's crazy when she, the higher status you go, the more and more you have to walk that fine line. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's, I hate it because you need the donors. She has, so she's looking at all this stuff. Are you going to tell somebody to boycott a certain business, yada, yada, yada? But then they may say, oh, you know what, Stacey? Back in 2021, you took this stance on this. We're not donating to your campaign for the United States president, the president of the United States. Do you feel so, that she was more free to speak her mind before she became Stacey Abrams, the person that everybody knows and many of us revere? Follow the money, Ken. Yeah. Follow That's the true. money. When when the people big up can don't get you where you need to do to have the most money, you're going to start doing what they want you to do. You know, it's just like everybody at their job. Yeah, we want to curse out our boss sometimes, but <laughs> they're in charge of our money. You yep. know, so it's it's... And I hate to say it, and it, it may sound like a cop-out answer for some people listening, but follow the money. What is it? That's my answer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I also wanted to touch on a couple of statements in the wake of this announcement. Uh, the Atlanta Braves, as we discussed before we started recording, uh, they weren't happy. And I understand, you know, you wouldn't be happy having the All-Star Game moved out of your home park that you fleeced the taxpayers of Cobb County to, to pay for. Uh, the Braves put out a, a, a uh, they unhappy little statement on Twitter. 
this this sentence that stuck out to me uh, among the many that were trying to go after Rob Manfred, our city has always been a uniter in divided times. First of all, has it? Are, are you sure Atlanta has been a uniter in divided times? I, I seem to recall something that happened in the late 19th century where we weren't that united and Atlanta didn't really help with that. Uh, speak that. Spill, spill that tea, Ken. Spill it. <laughs> uh, yeah. And for another, uh, your city? Really, Atlanta Braves. Mm-hmm. The city right. that you said, nah, there are a bit too many black people going to games, so let's go to where our rich white tax base is in Cobb County and build a stadium there. Like, now Atlanta is your city when you want to get pissed about this? Like, mm-hmm. I mean... It's not surprising that Braves ownership would be that hypocritical at this point, but it's also, when you see it, it's still kind of galling, isn't it? Yeah. I would love to ask the workers that if they followed the Braves to Cobb County from Turner Field, how much more a month do you spend on transportation? Yeah. Getting just to work your minimum wage job. When I was working for the Braves, I made $7.25. Yeah. In 2010. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, and I wasn't a concession stand, you know. I was, you know, uh, the baseball's um, promotions team, seven dollars and twenty-five cents. Now, how much are they paying them now for them to travel even more because they got to go out to Cobb County? How many of these workers are so tired getting home from these games, still living by in the Turner Field area? You know, it's it's, it's now you care. Yeah. All right. Yeah. yeah. When it's convenient okay, to raise girl. the natural stink. Yeah. And and <laughs> and correct me if I'm wrong about any of this. This is stuff that I'm just kind of trying to remember from what I read about the building of the ballpark. But mm-hmm. Cobb County does not have a rail transit station near the ballpark. Is that correct? Correct. Right. So that takes away. You know uh, why? Uh, I believe because white people decided that that's a way to get away from Atlanta's minority population. Am I remembering that correct? You said it. Yeah. Uh, so so the upshot of that is that you have all these employees now coming from the city who have this relatively inexpensive public transit system taken away from them so now they have to pay Mm -hmm. gas prices and then sit in atlanta traffic which i'm sure you don't i don't need to remind you kind of hell on earth just to go and do their job yeah around cobb county around game time forget about it Mm -hmm. And now you got to go go to Mar the nearest Mar station, and then get your ass. Oh, get on a bus. First away, get your ass. And, yeah. and, and, and travel and travel to the stadium. Now it's just uh, it's it is real funny when that statement came out, Ken. Mm-hmm. I was just like, okay, y- y'all y'all put on a Jackie Robinson day. Y'all have Hank Aaron, rest in peace, come to the park and parade him around, showing mm-hmm. that y'all are doing stuff. Strong that y'all are doing stuff for us. Getting worked up there. Love it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and it, I, I like that you brought up Henry, too, That uh, because the other statement that I wanted to uh, make note of, Kelly Loeffler, uh, not a friend about sports, we'll just say that, uh, but she decided to wade into the discussion because, sure, why not? What else is she going to do not? nowadays? Uh, she issued a Twitter statement that began, the MLB had the chance, and I just want to stop right there. You know you're a fantastic follower of baseball when you refer to our league as 
the MLB, mm. you know, really? Okay. <laughs> the MLB had the chance to honor an iconic trailblazer and Braves legend Hank Aaron. Instead, they bowed to the woke disinformation campaign of the left. Okay. Read a goddamn book, Kelly. Like, literally, anything that has been written about Henry Aaron, like, since the past 40 years. Mm -hmm. If there is one thing we know about Henry Aaron's career, it is how much civil rights causes me meant to him and how much doing something above and beyond just being a baseball player meant to his identity as a human being. Henry Aaron is someone who campaigned for JFK in the middle of his career and someone who the day that he tied Babe Ruth's record on opening day in 1974, asked the Cincinnati Reds and didn't ask, actually told Major League Baseball, I would like to see a moment of silence because today is the anniversary of Martin Luther King's assassination. And because it was only six years after that had transpired, he got shit for it. Yeah. But that's what mattered to Henry Aaron. Henry Aaron, I'm sure, would look at this and go, well done. Yeah. Well done, MLB. This is exactly the kind of thing that we should be doing to try to raise consciousness and try to make change as a sport. So Kelly Leffler, keep Henry Aaron's name out your goddamn mouth. Please. Because you, you don't know what it's like to... Okay, let me say this. She's a woman, so yes, women in this country you know, do have things going against them. However, I will say this, you came from money, deep money. So what issues did you really have? Look, y'all, I can contact my grandmother right now and she can tell me, D. Gill, I know what it's like not to vote, not to be allowed to vote. She's still alive, y'all. So this is what this means to some people when this bill came out, what is it, Senate Bill 202, when this thing got signed, it hurts because there's people still alive that know firsthand, not stories passed down from your Aunt Jemima and your Aunt, and your Aunt Cicely and all this. And No, the people still living that know what it's like to be called the N-word, know what it's like to not be able to sit in the same restaurant as other people you know caucasian people let's just call it what it is you know and so when this bill comes out it's like man in my grandmother's lifetime is she going to see just a true free and equal united states yeah it's and it I, I i have to follow up and ask that when someone like your grandmother sees the lines that people had to vote in or to wait in to vote in the last presidential election and then sees what the Georgia governor is trying to do to add additional obstacles onto waiting eight to 10 hours. Mm -hmm. is, does that just kind of, is that essentially reminding her of everything she's seen in her lifetime like that? Oh yes. You can't help the, you can't help people like my grandmother to call it a racist bill. You, you, uh, I understand, put it like that. I understand where she's coming from and other people are coming from because it automatically goes to what now? You know, why you're, you're jumping through these hoops, if anything, y'all shouldn't be making it easier for people to vote. I mean, Stacey Abrams, if you're listening, thank you, number one, to this podcast. Mm -hmm. Number two, please get some type of mobile system to going around and get pick people up, get them to the DMV, getting their license. What do, what do we got to do? Because I, I, to me, Stacey Abrams is quiet right now, Ken, right? She said, don't boycott. However, I don't think she's doing nothing. 
If she was smart, she would be, okay, we need to hire and get some buses, Greyhound buses. We're going to bus these people uh, in to get, we're going to have DME, DMV days. Mm-hmm. Everybody come get your license. Boom. All right, cool. You're going to bring, you want to bring down the amount of time to request uh, the uh, the absentee ballots to six to three months? Okay, no problem. There no problem. She can go down as one of the best human beings in the history of this country if she has an even equal to or greater turnout in this next election. Yeah, it, it really feels like that she pulled off a goddamn miracle twice in the last mm-hmm. year. And now we're asking her to like, okay, can you step up your miracle game just a bit too? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, she would she would be an, a hero. I mean, she's already someone who's going to be remembered and she would be a hero for generations if she can kind of overcome what's being thrown her way now. And, and hopefully the actions of MLB and activists all over the country will hopefully make things easier on her a little bit before the next election. But yeah, it's going to take a concerted effort and, and the kind of effort where you don't go away just because time has passed and you're not getting anything accomplished in the immediate at present. It's something you have to kind of keep on them. And hopefully you can use like guides like the North Carolina boycott from a couple of years ago that got them to at least hit the pause button on their transgender bathroom ban. Uh, it's still, it, it didn't result in, you know, good things being passed there, but at least kind of flatlined the bad for a while. Uh, and I'm, I'm hoping that something similar can happen in Georgia. Ooh, that got a little heavy, didn't it? And I'm glad, honestly. Good discussion. After these commercials, we're going to talk about something a little bit lighter. I picked the Braves to win the World Series last week, as anyone who heard that episode can remember. Uh, what the fuck? Yeah. Miguel, you're killing me. However, if I remember correctly, we got swept last year at the beginning of the opening season, and we were a couple of games away from the World Series. So I did have to reason with myself. <laughs> I guess I was kind of caught up in all the hype with this bill coming out and the All-Star game. I was like, you know what, see, this is the curse. This is the Atlanta curse. We're going to lose all our games. <laughs> it's just four games. <laughs> we yeah, did they're... win the doubleheaders today, so, you know, against Washington. So, sh- good. They look like shit, Ken. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, isn't it like, the, I mean, it's the most insane thing about our sport that you have the top four hitters in the lineup go something like four for 34 in that first series of the Phillies. And these are, you know, the MVP from last year, Freddie Freeman and Ronald Acuna Jr., one of the most transcendent stars in the entire game. But that happens over the span of four games and everyone just goes, oh, my God, oh, my God, it's the worst. They're they're crashing and burning. It's a continuation of last year. And and. It, yeah, it's you just have to. Let me ask you something. Sure. You mentioned that four for thirty-four, right? Including Freddie Freeman. You think he gets paid by the Atlanta Braves? Because if I'm going to pay him some three hundred million dollar contract, I, we can't have this. Mm-hmm. It's going to be very interesting because the Braves, as an organization, do not like to hand out those extended eight to ten year deals unless it's at the very beginning of his career, like it was with Freddie's first contract. Mm-hmm. And now, um, I mean, he's what, 31 or 32 at this point. Is that, is that right? Mm-hmm. So oh as a, fir- he, he's at the lowest part of the defensive spectrum in terms of first base is somebody you go almost entirely bat and uh, bat. Uh, you consider only his bat when you consider his value as a player. Yeah. Uh, so he's someone who has to kind of keep up the production he has over the past couple of years to make that a good contract. So, I, yeah, 
I'm not entirely sure Atlanta is going to go completely to the mat to extend him, to be honest. Like, I mean, you can ignore the fact that he had a bad first series because, I mean, that's that's baseball. I mean, everybody yeah. can have a bad first <laughs> series. Uh, but, yeah, over the span of like five or six years, I'm going to bet they'll be hesitant to really commit to him for, for that length of time. Yeah. Well, we shall see. Yeah. It of course, it could be worse. Time. You know, you mentioned that you made seven twenty-five an hour working for the Braves. And if I recall right, that's about what the Cubs offered Anthony Rizzo last week for his extension. <laughs> so, you know. Thank you for winning the World Series, Anthony. But uh, anyway, but that's yeah. not why you called. Um, Thank goodness for Panda, though. He, he's, the, he's been the bright spot so far. Who, and who would have thought, like, going into spring training, there were articles out there saying he could be on the bubble. Like, he could possibly be cut. I think it was between him and another pitcher, they were trying to figure out who they wanted to keep. And, hey, Mr. A, he made the right decision again. You know, the, I can't, his, what's his last name? I, I, I'm uh, Anthopolis? There you go. Thank you. Yeah. Yep. No problem. <laughs> he, I'm, he I'm your baseball nerd decision. on call. That's, that's what I'm here for. If you need, if you need a baseball you. reference. Yeah, I knew you would do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, but he made another uh, good decision and he saved us. Yeah, and I like just as a baseball fan when Pablo Sandoval can still contribute to a team because he's just one of those guys you look at and go, yeah, you're fun. I like having you around in the game. And also his skill set is so different from so many other players when he's going well because he has that nose-to-toes strike zone. And it doesn't matter if when he's locked in, it doesn't matter where you throw it. He's kind of got a, a little bit of old Vladimir Guerrero senior to him that, yeah, I can hit line drives wherever you pitch it, so good luck. And also, his just someone with that body in baseball is always welcome. That's, yes. I, I look at him and I think of the old Simpsons scene where Homer Simpson is hooked up to electrodes on a treadmill and running shirtless. And I think it's Mulder and Scully from the X-Files going, he is strangely hypnotic. <laughs> that is true. Yeah. I'm going to have to say that next time he's running around the bases. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's just fun to see, like, large adult sons still involved in baseball. Him and Dan Vogel back with the Brewers. It's, it's, it's a delight. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and isn't it the most baseball thing in the world, too, kind of on the subject of the Braves' start, where they have that rough series in Philly where no one's hitting, and then that first series in Washington, you know, suddenly Acuna's going off twice and Freeman hits a bomb to right, and then they get walked off in that game. Because, of course, yeah. that's the way baseball works. And that's the Atlanta way baseball works, mm-hmm. specifically. Get your hopes up and then walk off. Yeah. I'm used but, to it. Yeah, but they, as you say, recovered today. Two wins for the, mm-hmm. in both games of the doubleheader, which at a time where you really, yeah, you kind of need those. It's, you'd much rather be 2-4 and four than... One and five or zero oh and six, and now they go home. So, yeah, I, I guess last hey, question then. Uh, Fifty-eight and four. <laughs> uh, after, after the way we talked about on the podcast a couple months ago, the the sour taste in your mouth from last year's playoffs, and are are you like a little close? Is it easier to press the panic button because of that? That that that's so fresh in your mind at this point. I think so. I think so. Uh, I think those games are going to come. <laughs> Braves fans, we like to be very technical when we break down our seasons. You remember <laughs> that series in Philadelphia where we got swept? That's why we didn't make the playoffs. It's it's and it's true though because not when the when the land of sports when we lose we get close to the promised land. So I guarantee you, if it's a fight for a wild card spot or whatever or the division title, it's going to come down to probably three games. Or four games, and we're going to think back to the beginning of the season and be like, well, 
that's our Atlanta look. <laughs> yeah. If I yeah, if I can say something that might pick you up a bit, it's it's still small sample at this point, still six games into yeah. the season, so you can't draw any conclusions. But yeah. the way that for the most part the pitching has started, like that was the thing that I was looking for. Is that going to take the next step up for them? Because that's yeah. that's the thing. Can you compete with the Dodgers at the top of the league? You've got the lineup to do it. You certainly got the stars to do it. And the way that they played for most of the postseason last year gave some promise. But uh, yeah, if, if uh, they take the next level with some of those starters, like then they will be in the conversation legitimately as a team to fear this year. And we're trying to get Soroka back in the lineup as well. So that can only yep. help out. Our, our hitting, our batting lineup is to me too good to fail. Yes. So as long as we can just get the, the pitchers on board, I think we'll go far. Just beat the darn Mets. The Mets have been talking so much trash this offseason. It's unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you will be getting an email from Don Ennis in the morning, I believe. Yes, so. I, yes I will. Diego, we will be terminating your <laughs> <laughs> I'll stand up for you, man. It's all, it's all good. Uh, Diego, do you have anything to plug while I still have you here? Yes, if you like the sound of my voice, <laughs> if you want to hear some of my own podcast, please uh, visit my podcast on Spotify. Wherever you like this year's um, podcast, The Game Day T. Uh, yeah, I talk about a variety of things. I try to keep some things current. I try to take you into the life of people that are close to me from home and national news stories. And yeah, come listen and enjoy it. Yeah, and every Tuesday here on the Outsports Podcast Network, it's always a fascinating interview with some very interesting people. It's, uh... <laughs> Thank you. Oh, next week, y'all do not want to miss. Okay, I have a bare-knuckle MMA fighter, a boxer, but he does drag. That rules. That rules. You do not want to miss it. I, I honestly cannot wait for Tuesday now. That's, that's awesome. I, yeah, I can't wait to hear that. Uh, yeah, D. Gill, even though they pulled the All-Star game out of Atlanta, with this Braves lineup, you'll be seeing an All-Star team 162 times this year. So it's been a pleasure, man. Thank you.